Hello, and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Sararis. Roll Tide, man. What else can you say? I know I touched on it briefly in my introduction yesterday, but today's another non-football episode, so just wanted to take a second to talk about Alabama, because we're never going to see a coach like Nick Saban again in college football. I don't care how long Dabo's at Clemson or how long Ryan Day's at Ohio State. Uh, Anyone is anywhere. We are never going to see another college football coach like Nick Saban. What he's done at Alabama is nothing short of remarkable. It it wasn't really a debate going into yes going into Monday night's game whether he was the best coach of all time already. He absolutely and a hundred percent is the best college football coach of all time. There's no one else in the discussion. Don't give me anyone who played when it was black and white. Don't give me anyone who coached before integration. Saban's the best to ever do it. Now that I've got that off my chest, set up the table for this episode. NBA-centric episode, general topics floating around, storylines going around, going on in the league right now. LeVance Jackson, one of my best friends, was on the podcast a couple weeks ago as a table setter. Talk a little bit about the Lakers. He's back. This is more of a big picture around the league type thing. We have about five, six storylines we touched on, a couple tangents, you know, just two dudes talking basketball before I throw it over to the conversation with LeVance got to remind everyone help grow the podcast iTunes Spotify Google Play SoundCloud Stitcher Audio Boom wherever you listen to podcasts this podcast is there please subscribe or follow if you're on Spotify leave a review leave a nice review please it'd be nice tell someone about it Bump the tweet when it's on Twitter. Share it on whatever social media platform you come across it on. Really does help. Got a few new listeners from yesterday because Sarah jumped on. Sarah was a great guest. Talked Bruins. She'll be back on a couple weeks baseball. Enjoy the conversation with LeVance. But before I do, follow Gotham SM, please. We do good stuff. I have a football blog that went up Tuesday night. It'll be up Wednesday, shared Wednesday. I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with LeVance. LaMelo, bully ball. Get out of the way, Trey Young. PJ. There it is. If that ruled an assist, that's number 10 for LaMelo Ball. And he's got a triple-double. And with that, welcome on. Proudly recurring guest and resident basketball analyst for the Upper Bowl GM podcast, LaVance Jackson. How are we doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on yet again. It is an honor. Always, sir. It, I'm itching to talk a little bit of hoops. I did a hockey episode, did a football episode already this week. Got to hit all the bases. Got to keep up because right now basketball has kind of managed to carve out the early part of the week stories. And then everyone starts gravitating back towards football Thursday, Friday, looking ahead to the playoffs. So today, good day to check in with how things are going around the league. You and I were just talking about it. So we'll just jump right into it. The biggest story right now in the NBA is how the league is dealing with COVID because frankly, they're dealing with the same thing that baseball dealt with when it first started up its season back in the late summer. And they're dealing with the NFL dealt with around Thanksgiving where people were just being around other people and the virus is kind of spreading out of control in the U S right now. So it's hard, even if you're doing the right thing, you're wearing a mask, you're washing your hands, you're staying away from people, you can still get sick. And it's led to some pretty messed up. And I won't say messed up because that's not the right word, but unfair situations for certain teams. Like they really made the Sixers play with seven guys the other night. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and also you got injuries that are a big part of things happening too, because certain teams had, you know, maybe too long of a layoff. Other teams had too short of a layoff. So you got to sprinkle that in too. Um, I don't think they were the only team who had that issue. The Celtics had that problem, yeah. I think, as well, too. So, you know, you could see the the major impact. And now it's also going to be an impact, I feel, down the road when it comes to playoff seating. Because each of these teams, it's only six, luckily. Hopefully it stays minimal. But, you know, the more games, of course, that are being missed, that affects playoff races. And if it is a tight race, which, it, you know, looks like it will be at least in the Eastern Conference, maybe, you know, these little games are all going to add up and it might, you know, bite another team in the rear end. So, you know, hopefully things continue progressing in a positive way. Um, you know, we'll see what's happening with this vaccine. I feel like a, a lot of the major sports are probably going to implement that and literally just probably take a whole day and be like, yo, everybody sit down, let's yeah. take it nip it in the bud so you know we can continue and make money and of course hopefully get the fans back it'll be cool if fans could be back around april may might be pushing it but a boy can dream so that's that's the thing when people in our boat say we want to have fans back we want to have like the intensity it's not that we don't take the virus seriously and we both take it very seriously we're not really doing our normal lives it's just like there's something about that adds the atmosphere of a playoff game where the crowd is going absolutely nuts for the last six minutes of a game, every single time up and down the floor, it sounds rocking the every timeout, every, there's just that ensuing panic of, all right, this team needs to come down. They really need a basket here. Well, everyone is losing their goddamn minds. It, we miss that feeling. We want that back. It's not that the virus is it's fake or anything we just we, we want sports to feel like sports granted it's being greedy we're still getting the sports it's just as a sports fan the crowd is a character within the game it adds 100%. to the experience especially 100%. in basketball especially yes. in basketball the, the energy that the, that's what it is like and I, I just thought about it just now the other night you know or not the other night maybe a week or so ago now you know Steph Curry goes off imagine the chase center if it was packed out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude probably would have kept going, probably going for 80 something, who knows? But, you know, just having that energy, that atmosphere, it takes the game to a whole nother level. And you really see like who the people are that step up in those moments and who crack. So, but we'll get there sooner, sooner than later. Like you said, let, let's be, be happy. Beggars can't be choosers. We got the sport there. Uh, let's, let's keep it going with that. Absolutely. I mean, and to your point, you just talked about playoff seating. I just looked to my left and the Nets are losing to Denver right now. And the Nets are a team where we all we're all pretty confident they're going to make the playoffs no matter what. And it, it's just going to come down to what seed they have. But the next topic we have about Kyrie, not even just talking about Kyrie, they haven't been playing well, period. Even when Kyrie was there, they've had real issues on defense, especially the but because no Dimwitty, because he tore his ACL, what was that, like the first week of the season, second week of the season, whatever. The Nets are a team that they have championship aspirations. We don't know what the playoffs are going to look like, if there's going to be actual home court advantage or not, or if they might pursue a bubble again just for the postseason. But if there is home court, you're going to want that, especially for a team like the Nets. 100%. And this whole thing, I guess, especially 
with the injury now now you don't have a I think a pivotal player on your on your squad you know Spencer DeWitty averaging like 20 points last year um you know a key key part Karis LeVert is going to really turn up which he has yeah so you know they they do have guys I was watching the Sixers game when they played them last week Joe Harris went off you know they have the, the they have the players they have the pieces they've been to the playoffs without having these two star players so now adding them to the table of course anything less than NBA finals appearances is a fa- failure kind of like what we talked about last time I was on but you know the key thing is Kyrie Irving like what's going on here <laughs> you know what I mean you are the reason why Kevin Durant even came here in the first place you are going to be a pivotal part of it you know I was watching Stephen A's uh, new show that aired today and he, he mentioned it. it is a valid point the Nets aren't going anywhere and seriously without Kyrie Irving yeah they're mm-hmm. going to make the playoffs with Kevin Durant and be able to get into the second round but they're not making the NBA finals without Kyrie Irving and even if they do they're not winning the NBA finals without Kyrie Irving and that's if they're playing the Lakers or the Clippers or you know looks like right now even whomever because the Nuggets are smoking them so you know he's a very pivotal part and again too thank goodness fans aren't around because these are what people pay for you know these people pay to see him and you know he's box office must see TV and he's not even playing I want to be fair. We do have to realize that these are people that they do have lives outside of basketball. I do want to be fair to that point that I know a lot of people because the thing Kyrie has always beaten to his own drum. He's always been a little different. He's always wanted to do things his own way, whether it was in Cleveland, whether it was in Boston, now in um, with the Nets. He's always been a little where not necessarily it's the biggest thing for him. He always wants to just, he wants to do things his way. And that is fine. That's reasonable. He can do things his way, but at some point you are part of this team. No one can be bigger than the team. It's just, he has to at some point realize that my team needs me. I can't be going out and doing things right now because my team needs me. We're here to win a finals. And if he wants to go and, you know, if he wants to like opt out of the season, that's perfectly fine. Go live your life. Go worry about your family. That That's perfectly fine. But you can't do the back and forth thing. You can't do the, I'm here for the team, but then, well, I don't feel like playing today, which kind, which kind of seems to be the story from last week where he didn't play on Thursday night and then Saturday he didn't play. And then yep. the video came out today of that he was at a birthday party for his dad and his sister. It, at some point, he's got to make a decision of, is this what I want? Because you know the team needs him, like you said, they're not 100%. going. They're not going anywhere without him. So if he wants to worry about himself, that's fine. But the team has to be able to account for that and figure out what they want to do. And what's really, it's just kind of confusing to me. <laughs> you know, on Twitter today, you, you see all the, the the jokes being spit out about him, like, yeah. oh, Ky- Kyrie's trying to be in the NBA playing remote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's trying to take it his PTO time. Mm-hmm. Kyrie trying to do this like a like it's a nine to five job or whatnot. E- even still, besides the point, and I hear you, I totally agree. You know, players have lives outside of basketball. They're human beings as well you're in the middle of the season. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's not even like, oh, load management type of type of issue. Like, you're in the middle of 
your season. This this is your job. And you're just going to go and skip out and just, oh, yeah, I don't feel like playing today. I, I don't understand it. You know, I guess being a, a fan and a spectator, I, I look at it as a privilege to be not only that talented, but to be playing in the NBA and still playing in a pandemic right now. So to just take those, yeah, I, I don't want to go. I get it. Family comes first and that, that is a part of your life. But shoot, Alex Caruso and the Lakers stayed in the bubble and missed his sister's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think you can miss your, your sister's birthday party, Kyrie, and, you know, just see her when the game is over. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't know. I'm not in the league, so. Exactly, exactly. We just want, we want consistency. That's all we want. Do what you want to do. That's fine. But your team is paying you a lot of money, and you should be there. You, you, gotta at some point, just say, all right, I can't do this right now. I'm not in a place where I can play basketball. Instead of doing this cryptic stuff where he's just kind of going MIA, where. I think I saw that on Saturday that no one from the Nets had heard from him for the, for Saturday during the day. And they were like, all right, I guess Kyrie's not playing tonight because, you know, no one heard from him. So he's always been a little different. No one is saying Kyrie is a bad person, anything like that. We know he, he is a, he's got a life. He's got his family. He loves his family. That's fine. Just, you know, basketball player too. Let us know what you're thinking. That I think <laughs> is what's frustrating about Kyrie is we're not entitled to an explanation but I think it would help everyone understand him a little bit more if he was willing to explain. It's like, I didn't want to play last week because X, Y, and Z was coming up in my life. Or, yeah, it was my brother, my father, my sister's birthdays this past week. I hadn't seen them in so long. It's been a while. I miss them. Just talk to us. Empathize with us. I understand he's had a hard time, especially with the media, where he's been portrayed a certain way and he feels like the media coverage of him has been unfair, which is something that our friends who are net fans bring up all the time with Gonchi yeah. brings up and what bones bring up is that the media, especially in Boston kind of vilified him as the bad guy there. And since then he kind of doesn't want to be like at the start of this year, he's I'm not talking to the media. You can say that, but you have to, that's in the CBA. You have to meet with the media X number of times throughout the course of a season. Empathize, work with us, Kyrie. We're not asking for everything. Just tell us, what's going on we'd like to know we want to empathize with you the more we know about you the more likable you are that kind of thing that's all yeah but i, I also say this though last thing about it i'm paying you four years 116 mil or something like that boy you better be lacing up <laughs> but again i'm not an owner uh, i'm not a gm i don't know <laughs> it's very fair that's we're just i'm just asking questions that's all i'm saying so now that we covered the big two stories, I, I wrote down a couple of stories that I had read about or noticed in games I've been watching. And there were a few games you had watched over the course of the last week. You mentioned Steph going off. We have the Warriors in the rundown. But the first thing I have down is the Hornets aren't particularly good, but they've played pretty well in spurts. They have a pretty efficient offense. Lamelo is not a finished product by any stretch. He's still only playing about 25-ish minutes a game. But in the limited role Charlotte is giving him, he's been pretty solid. He's shooting about 40% from the field, about 35% from three. He's not taking a lot of threes, only taking like three, four a game. But they've used him in an interesting way where he's more of a playmaker right now than a scorer. And that's perfectly fine because he's such a raw talent where 
he's just kind of using his body to create space, his agility to get to open spots on the floor to set up his teammates, which is because I like a lot of the individual pieces Charlotte has on their roster. Yeah, I don't really know how they all fit together, I think is a real issue that they have to look at from a team building perspective, because I like Gordon Hayward. I like Rozier. I like Bridges. I like Washington. But I don't know if all those pieces work together. Yeah, and and again, they're all still, all excuse me, all still relatively young. Yeah, you know, aside from Hayward, aside yeah. from you know Hayward, yeah, but Terry Ogier, he maybe has a year or two tenure in some of these guys, but um, you know they're all still trying to find their way. Again, kind of something that we touched upon the last time I was on. You got to find your niche. You got to be able to have that time to grow within yourself and to develop to become the player that you ultimately want to become and you can see exactly what type of player you will be whether if it's a role player whether if it's you know you're coming off the bench and you're that instant scorer if you're a starter or whatever the case may be you find where your strengths are um you know I think that's why Lamelo is in the position he is and why he's doing so well in the limited time of it. It's because he's playing freely. He doesn't have to be that number one guy. Gordon Hayward's been proving that he is that number one guy. He's playing like he was, you know, the Gordon Hayward kind of from the jazz and, you know, what he was supposed to be with the Celtics if, you know, that freak injury never happened. So Lamelo is able to play freely you know, distribute the ball, play to his strengths because he's not forced to have to come in and, all right, well, you're a top draft pick. You have to be that guy and in your first year average 19, 20 points a game to, you know, keep us competitive within the league and such. So, you know, it's pretty cool. Now you you make a valid point there, Z, where who knows if these pieces are going to work together, but I guess we can see with time things will go. But I still think, like you mentioned, too, in the spurts, they have played well. Whoa. (laughs) They're a fun team to watch, man. Athletic. They can shoot. Cherry Rozier, he's on my fantasy team. That was a great pickup this year because he's so fun to watch. Dunking on people, the the athleticism, him crossing people up. Again, young team. Graham does well. It's fun to watch. Hayward is a fascinating case study of how things can go wrong for you in the NBA where that was like a two year recovery from that ankle. Cause that was one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen in my entire life. That was like five minutes into the season and it took him about two full years just to get to game speed. He came back before two years, but that second year he was back, he still didn't really have his feet under him. He wasn't cutting to the basket with the same level of aggressiveness and confidence We saw it a little bit last year in Boston where they were kind of using him as a sixth man, where he was kind of the guy to lead the second unit off the bench because Tatum had usurped him in the pecking order. Jalen Brown had usurped him in the pecking order. Smart has to be on the floor with them. And again, that's another team where it's a matter of if the pieces fit together. And we saw that Hayward wasn't, he's not the number two or three guy on a team. I don't know if you can ever win a title with Gordon Hayward being the best player on your team, but Right now, he's playing very well. His splits, I mean, yes, it's only a three-week sample size, but he's putting up career numbers in his splits from the field. He's shooting close to 50%. He's really only taking high – he's only taking quality chances where he's not really taking a lot of mid-range shots. He's really trying to cut to the basket. He's taking threes, but again, only a handful, three or four a game. They're an interesting team, and that's one benefit that I think – 
we have in basketball that we don't have as much in football or baseball or even hockey is even the bad teams in the NBA have compelling components of them and they're fun mm-hmm. to watch on a nightly basis. Yeah, it just shows the depth and talent without, you know, within the whole entire league. You know, I kind of guess they're like the Pelicans in a way where very young still, exciting players, but just as a whole, it's it's not meshing. It's not clicking. Another scenario where you got to see how everybody continues to develop and how everything pans out. But, um, you know, with Gordon Haywood, it's crazy. When, When he signed that contract this summer, I thought that he was the biggest finesser, one of the biggest finessers of all time. Cause I'm like, bro, he's barely played and he's getting a, a max contract. Like, you know, this certain guy's a six man of the year over here. Montrez Howard, of course, wants to be a, a champion, but he could have got a max contract if we really think about it. So, um, you know, to see him and, and, and Gordon, when he was with the Celtics, I, I was looking at him more as like just a spot up shooter. It was like he does not have, like you said, that 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 aggressiveness, that that bounce, that confidence that he used to have. But he had a gruesome injury. It takes time to come back from that, not only physically and get to game speed, but mentally, too. Yeah. And now he's had a good year and a half two years where he's been back to to the speed getting back to the speed knows where he wants to work with the celtics uh it's too many too too many mouths to feed you know you you can't be able to be that guy that you are accustomed to being which is you know a one or two option when you have somebody like jason tatum who's a presence can get you buckets you got to give him the ball Jalen Brown has proved too that he's the same way can get you the ball you know a lot to share around so it's cool to see him now in his own little niche being able to express himself and now he has the confidence mentally and physically and we're seeing it put together so I hope for his sake after all he's been through he does have a great solid season and maybe we can see, you know, Hornets do something, maybe sneak in with an eight seed, who knows, but. That's all we want, man. We just want more, com- the more good players there are in a respective sport, the better it is for everyone because there's more better games to watch. I mean, this does, it's not rocket science. I mean, the more good teams there are, the more fun the league is. It, the more competitive it is, the more variance you get in outcomes, it makes it more exciting. It's an interesting point because we've talked about it sporadically and we always bring this up whenever we can manage to get all our friends together. It's just from a team building perspective. The NBA has a really, it gets kind of a bad rap for being uncompetitive because, you know, Braun makes the finals pretty much every year or mm-hmm. the Warriors went on that run or, and we run into where you get people like Darren saying there's no parody in basketball. Why do I care? There's got to be at some point, we got to find a way to make these teams like the Hornets, like the Pelicans, like Indiana. We got to give the other 22 teams that don't have a chance of winning a title a way to stay competitive where they're not just like, you know, a farm system for stars to get drafted in the top 10 than to go somewhere else. I know no one like no one is rushing to go sign a max contract in Oklahoma City and to have to turn up at Applebee's after a game. I, I understand <laughs> I understand that's not like an appealing offer when you could go play in LA, you could go play in New York, you could play in Boston, Miami. There's a lot of compelling markets in basketball. At some point, we got to figure something out in terms of competitive balance because if the cap keeps, the salary cap keeps increasing, those 
big dog teams are just going to stay the big dog teams and we're never going to have a crazy eight seed run to the finals again. Like when the Knicks made it in 1999 as an eight seed and then lost in the finals, we got to find, we got to find a way. I don't know what that solution is. I was having this discussion the other day with college football. It's the same problem. The best teams are always going to get the best players, especially in basketball because it's so star driven and there's so few guys on a roster and basketball, two good players can change an entire team. Very much so, you know, hopefully in these situations, though, for these, you know, smaller teams, they could be in a situation where they draft well and, you know, maybe have a situation when you got a guy like Giannis with Milwaukee, you know, actually loyal. Very rare to see somebody like that because we've seen a lot of stars go to other markets, team up with other superstars just so they could win. So his loyalty and, and that drive to yeah, I'm going to win and I'm going to win here. You know, Damian Lillard, that's another one I'll say too. Staying in Portland, you know, wanting to win there. Of course, family and things have an attachment to it. You know, Giannis, of course, is going to have his heart in Milwaukee because that's where he came from, Greece. So that's the first, you know, state place that he actually accepted. You know, Dame Lillard, Portland, you know, been there, lived there. So, you know, his family's there. Those have interesting and, and, and big factors too. LaBella gets drafted in a smallish area since we were on the topic of the Hornets. Nine times out of 10, uh, probably leaving. So I, I don't really think it's it's just the team. I, I, I feel that there's a lot of other factors that go along with it. And also to the player itself. Are they that type of loyal, like I'm going to win here type of you know, style, or is it more of what we've normally seen where, hey, I'm going to go team up with these two guys because they're really nice and we're going to go just dominate the league like we out to each his own. It's crazy because you got to remember, I I remember that night, the night the Thunder traded Paul George to the Clippers. I was hanging out with everyone. I was with Mike. I was with Boney. I was with Trevor. I was with a bunch of people. And we were talking about this and we're like, Kawhi's, there's no way the Clippers are going to force, be forced to trade for Paul George just so Kawhi signs with them. And we see it that stars have that kind of pull where I'm not signing with your team unless you go get one of my boys because I want to play with him. Same thing with the Nets where it was Durant and Kyrie wanted to go to a place together. They laid out all the options. They saw the Nets as the best option because they already had an established core. They're a well-run organization that drafted well, quality coach in Atkinson, who I kind of wish the Knicks had gotten, but I'm not going to complain. Thibodeau's doing a decent job. I do want to touch on the Knicks a little bit later. A star-driven league like that is a good thing. It's always better that the players have the power instead of the owners. It's one of my biggest gripes of hockey and baseball is that the owners and the teams have too much institutional power and they have too much control over the players. That It's better for the sport if the players get to do what they want, that it leads to more interesting teams. It leads to better teams. And you get crazy things like Braun and Anthony Davis. You get things like Kawhi and Paul George. You get things like, I was going to say, like, you know, the Celtics with, like, Hayward, Kemba, or Hayward, Kyrie, and Tatum. But that didn't really work out. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. 100%. No. You make very valid points there, too. And, again, it's – all compelling and it it all really depends on the players man it it really depends if they want to be that guy to hold it down for wherever they started 
or if they want to go and team up and play with who they want to play with. But I understand, and I see both sides of it too. If exactly. you're in a situation like Bradley Beal where you're losing, <laughs> you're dropping average in 30 points a game, you want to win a championship, okay, yeah, why don't I go and team up with you know another good team, other good players? I'm a good player. I'm in my prime. I'm not trying to waste these years losing. I'm a competitor. I totally get it. But there is also something for the dude who stays where he was drafted and is able to bring him up and be able to do a lot of things. That's why, you know, I'm biased. (laughs) Talked about Kobe all the time. Kobe was with the Lakers for all those years and went through ups and downs with them. Tim Duncan, somebody got drafted by the Spurs, stayed there through ups and downs. Like there was no leaving. There was no anything, any of that sort. Same thing with Dirk not leaving like ups and downs it's loyalty consistency but still not a problem shoot if i was in the league so i want to team up with yeah let's go team up let's go to a big market let's make money let's make brands you know do all these things but all depends on the player and nice transition bringing up bradley beal because that's next on the rundown we'll talk about the wizards because they have been absolutely a Abysmal. They have t- they were tied with for the worst record in the league going into today at two and eight. They lost their center. They have gotten nothing from Huchimura. They are dealing with the Beal situation where people around the league kind of feel like the Wizards aren't actively shopping him, but they would listen to offers for him. They still got Westbrook, who's playing well, not particularly efficiently. He's still putting up the stats, which help, but when you're losing every game and you're giving and you're one of the worst defensive teams in the league, those stats don't really matter. I I know I was talking about this with Trevor the other day, because he asked me how come the line for Russell Westbrook triple double was only minus one was only plus one ten. How come it's not a minus? Cause like, yeah, Westbrook can get a triple double pretty much any given night he wants to, but they're not winning because they're not, they don't have the pieces to win. And they're kind of stuck in a situation where they probably shouldn't be trying to win. They should be in a situation where they should be trying to get more draft picks and try and get younger. Because Beal, at this point, he's 27, still got two or three elite years as a prime scorer. He can be probably the two on a the number two guy on a really good team. Or if you're a fringe team like the Knicks, who wants that in first star to appeal to someone else, Beal can do that. If the Knicks were to load up on a package to go get him, you bring Beal to New York, you put him with Ovi, you quickly, and then you work around those guys. That's the foundation of a team that you can maybe lure someone in free agency to. So what do you think about the Wizards where they are? Because I like Westbrook. I feel bad Westbrook is going to get kind of a bad rep for always being a stats guy instead of being a quality player because He's gone through so much, the injuries. People forget how insane pre-knee surgery Russell Westbrook was. That man was a running back, going to the cup, banging in the bodies, going to the line. I went back and watched the pretty much the entire series against Golden State from 2016, where they ended up blowing the series and Durant ended up leaving the next year. And Westbrook was just going to the cup like a lunatic, putting his head down, barreling his shoulder into people, ending up in a heap on the ground, going to the line, making his layups, and trying to win. Yes, I understand Westbrook's biggest flaw is that he doesn't have great shot selection. We saw last year, he can 
choose when to take good shots. Last year on Houston, he did a good job of picking his shots. He did, but he also turns the ball over a lot. Yeah. He also moves at a very, very, very fast pace because he's always 100 miles per hour, which is not a problem. You could never knock somebody for going 100%, but there's also a time and place for each one. You have to pick and choose your spots. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that would also, you know, you know, kind of change people's perception on him. I don't think they should really blame him for uh, the, the Wizards' woes right now. You heard what Bradley Beal said the other day. They can't defend a park bus, <laughs> a park park. <laughs> so um, there's a lot more problems than just that. Um, Coaching-wise, there's some changes that can be made. I still feel that a franchise that is going to be competitive or do well in any type of way starts from the top, and they've always had some shaky issues within their front office and even with their ownership and whatnot. You know, I think, yeah, why not? You do have some of these young players. You you mentioned Uchimura. You um, have the – I forgot the, the foreign man that Bertrand? just came in. Yeah, exactly, that they just drafted. He has some potential there. I know they have Thomas Bryant drafted by the Lakers – great physical guys still developing and whatnot why not like you said unload Beal bring in some draft picks bring in another old head or two to match up with Russ Westbrook so he's not by himself and kind of start building a culture because nothing's going to happen here sadly you know one of my good friends loves Russ Westbrook that's his favorite player but there's nothing that's going to happen here. And it sucks to see that because I know Russ still has it in him and he still wants to compete for titles, but you know, it it sadly isn't going to happen. Now they did have promise um, the other night. They, they, they won actually last night. They won big, I forgot against who, but they won by like 20 or something, but they had some good showing. They finally played some defense. And of course, Bradley Beal had a crazy game, but it's all going to take time. And you, you got to remember this pandemic does a lot. These teams did not have a full, you know, thorough training camp. There's a lot of pieces in and out with injuries. Russ is injured right now. You know, COVID protocol has issues and whatnot, keeping certain players away and, and such. So there's a lot of, lot of extra things sprinkled on top of the regular glaring problems. So that's a process that's going to go day by day, but we, we need to make some t-shirts, Big Z. Free my son, Bradley Beal. Get him out of there because he is struggling. I feel bad for him. Like, he's literally carrying bricks on his shoulder, and he's just crawling down the road, bro. Like, get him out of there. Somebody help him, please. Like, I, I please. The, the money's not enough. <laughs> I go back and forth like once a week on if I just want the Knicks to say we've been trying to rebuild the right way for four years. I, the Knicks haven't had like a compelling basketball player since Mello, and it's been a while since. So who are you sending though? Who, That's who the you, thing. Who, who you, you probably you you're gonna send Knox. You're gonna send picks. They probably want RJ. I really don't want taking it. Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. And then you go back to square one where, okay, we got Beal, Quickly, Alfred Payton, Julius Randle. Do we, do we, Frank, oh God, don't, I, I know Phil Jackson is the best coach in the history of basketball, all due respect, but that man really took Frankie Smokes in the first round when there were such better players on the board. 
they traded away Porzingis for a bag of chips. I, I, I don't want to turn this into the Knicks complain hour, but because they they haven't played amazing basketball this year, but they've been respectable this year, and that is kind of they've all. They've been I've competitive. Won. Yes, yes. They've been competitive. And Tibbs, Tibbs a great defensive coach. I think this is great for them. I, I think I mentioned it before because it lays the foundation. You're going to know how to work hard. You're going to learn how to be a proper professional. And you're going to learn what it takes to actually win in this league because Thibodeau's had some great teams, of course, with the Bulls um, on that championship uh, coaching staff with the Celtics, with Doc Rivers and such. So he knows what it takes. He's been there. He's done that. He's wore the T-shirt. So to give those key nuggets to these players who have just been losers, sadly, you know, let's be honest, since they came into the league or since they've been with them um, in the Knicks organization, it's good to see that atmosphere change those are the little things that you implement so you could start trending in the right direction so I would love to see Bradley Beal go to the garden because that's like you said compelling they haven't been or had a compelling player since Melo but it's like risk reward who do you send over there because you are going to lose somebody and I don't think Kevin Kevin Knox yeah that's the Kevin throw him away but you know I don't know who else you you would you would be willing to send because I highly doubt I I feel the Knicks wouldn't send RJ they couldn't send RJ you would kind of have to keep him yeah you know because that that would be a part of that, that that stable piece for the future to attract that star so if you if you have a perfect world and you keep RJ you're probably sending a boatload of other things but who knows maybe some magic could finally happen in the Garden so. The Knicks are respectable right now. That's all I ask for. Competitive, they try. There's, It's not a joke. They're letting the young guys play, which they didn't last year, which annoyed the hell out of me, was they were starting that lineup with three power forwards and, you know, not giving anyone else any run. I mean... No spacing. <laughs> oh, God. Don't get me started on Knicks spacing. One of the more embarrassing... They really were trying to run the triangle in 2016... Being like, this is going to work. It worked in 1995. It's going to work today. Even though everyone in the league is shooting an inordinate number of threes, it's going to work. I promise. Oh, yeah, true. But, but but then you also had to, like, look at some of the players who were running that triangle. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, ah, you, you very can't fair. really, ah. You know, if, if I see Shaq down there, I see a prime Kobe or MJ, it's, it's, it's kind of tough, but. What do you think is going to end up happening with Harden? Do you think he's just going to end up riding it out this season? Because I just looked to my right and I saw LeBron driving past him. Do you think he's going to ride out the season in Houston and they're going to reassess? Or do you think he does end up getting traded, whether it's to Miami or to Brooklyn? The better question is, what would you like to happen? Because you obvi- you don't got sources. You ain't working the phones like Woj. What would you like to happen with Harden? <laughs> I mean, I would like to see him go only because he's not playing like how James Harden normally plays. I, I was watching a little bit of the game before we started this, and I get it. They're changing the Rockets' offense a little bit. They're trying to get it more team-oriented. They're trying to get it out of, you know, just James dribbling 500 times before he finally shoots the ball, before the shot clock goes out. So that's a great promising thing, but – he doesn't have that same fire. He doesn't have that same drive. He doesn't have that same confidence. He's not playing right now. He's going through emotions. He's just there because he has to be, literally. 
In my opinion, if it was his choice, he would be on some Kyrie type of time and just not <laughs> show up. But, you know, he also has to make himself look favorable so he can get that trade. So, of course, here, yeah, he's going to play, but he's going through the motions because this is nowhere near the James Harden. You know, I've never seen James Harden play like this. And maybe it is because he was out of shape, quote unquote, or whatnot. But I really feel like he's just there now. <laughs> like he's literally just there. He's, you know, he's playing. All right. Yeah, you got the ball. All right. Boom, boom, boom. I'll hit a quick step back. All right. I got a three right there. Oh, bet. I got to lay up off of John Wall, giving me some space. Cool. Bet. Oh, pick and roll. Like it, it's not, I don't see that fire in him anymore. So, I personally want him to leave so we can get that back and we could see James, you know, tap dancing, cooking people in the kitchen like he usually does. Because, again, that's must-see basketball, must-see TV. Um, realistically, no, it's not going to happen because the Rockets actually have common sense. I know <laughs> I have another good friend of mine who, when the news first broke that the Nets were the first uh, – uh, team that wanted him and looked like he was going there for a couple of days. He was like, yo, we're going to have a big three, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you really feel that the Rockets are just going to give up James Harden and not get one of these dudes and Kyrie and KD. They're just like, yeah, take him, build your super team and just give us a, a, a plethora, excuse me, of role players and picks. Like uh, that, that's not enough for the best offensive scorer at least in the league for the past three, four seasons. So they have common sense. They said they wanted one of them. Okay, cool. Does he go to Philly? But it's it's like, okay, what is Philly going to give up? They Are they going to gonna give up Ben Simmons? They yeah. So I guess that would be cool in a way. And that would actually kind of be dirty. Doc Rivers has been doing his thing for them so far. And now you're going to have them with some shooting around James Harden and Joel Embiid. That pick and roll would be nasty. I'd like to so, see that pick and roll. You know, that that wouldn't be too bad. Um, if he goes to Miami, I feel like Miami is going to lose majority <laughs> of their shooters. So either Hero or Duncan or both are gone. Probably both. Um, you know, uh, who else? So it's just going to probably be Bam, Jimmy, maybe right. James, and then some scrubs and, and the janitor, man. <laughs> so... I don't know if that's going to be good enough to be able to beat a Nets team and say, okay, we're going to go to the NBA finals and they're damn sure not beating Lakers like that. So no. it's going to, it, it really depends, but I guess the, the best situation for him, I would not mind seeing him in Philly. Like I said, that pick and roll him and Joel and being in Joel's actually been balling. He seems to be healthy, knock on wood. So that would be pretty cool. And, I low-key respect Doc, even though he was a Celtic, but I have some respect for him. Doc's, Doc is going to go down with a weird legacy because he won that title with the Celtics, but because he's, been a, coach, he's <laughs> been a coach for so long with so many different organizations. He had that run with the Magic, the Celtics, LA, the Clippers. Now with did the, well with the, with the Celtics for a little bit, or excuse for the Celtics for a little bit, for the Clippers, but just couldn't get it done. Yeah. They, and Great they regular had, season team. <laughs> they had their chances. They probably should have beaten Golden State that one year, and they blew that, and then Golden State, yeah. Doc. Fumbled the bag, man. Yeah. You really do see it where teams just kind of run out of ideas, especially in the playoffs where you actually have to come up with the half-court sets and stuff like that, where some of these coaches just – they don't have it. Like That's been the problem the Celtics have had the last few years is when they get into those half-court sets, Brad Stevens doesn't have anything for them. They're not really doing anything. 
Mm-hmm. It's just like let's give the Tatum. Let's yeah. let's see what happens. Tatum, but now, myself. Yeah, but but now you got me thinking a little bit about you know those Clippers teams with Doc. Like you you had CP3. Okay, cool. But who else? Blake Wait. Griffin was not going to be somebody who could get you that bucket. He was yeah. just Glob City. DeAndre Jordan was a liability. Who else did they really have to you know win it? No, nobody. You know they did have now last season. We know what happened last season. That's just a choke artist there. But I mean, you, you, they didn't really. You you're right. They ran out of ideas. It's something happens. I don't know what it is, but phenomenal in the regular season. But when it actually comes down to the nitty gritty. Things change. That's why I love playoff basketball. It really comes down to execution. No matter. Like, everybody's that good. They're in the playoffs for a reason. Now it's really, like, who's going to execute to the finest detail to get the job done? And obviously, Doc and some of his teams, just they're not doing that part. Ooh, while we've been recording, the Nets orchestrated a comeback, and it is 113-0 with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Oh, I got to check fantasy. I hope Kevin Durant got a – Got me some buckets here. I like this. I haven't really looked. I've more been looking at you because, you know, we're recording and it's easier to do this when we're making eye contact with each other. But, yeah, I looked over. 113, 113, two minutes to go. Good stuff. Okay. They were down by, like, 25 at one point in the third quarter. Yeah, I saw, I, saw, I saw, what's his name, Joe Harris get banged on. Yeah. He got violated. <laughs> he said, damn. Uh, all right. We're wrapping up here. There's a few more things I wanted to touch on. One of the interesting teams I've watched a lot of this year is Golden State, just because I was so curious what they were going to do this year. Because it's kind of like the kid who took a gap year after high school before they went to college, because they know this year doesn't matter, because without Clay, they're not going anywhere. So they're just kind of spitballing ideas. And I put the tweet in our group chat with all our friends the other day. Kelly Oubre is single-handedly making them one of the worst, single-handedly making them one of the worst offenses in the league. If you take Kelly Oubre's three-point attempts out of Golden State's three-point attempts, they're the fourth-best team in the league. With Kelly Oubre's threes accounted for, they go to 19th in the league at three. The man is taking way too many shots. He's getting stuffed. He's getting put in a situation that he's not, he's not made for. They're trying to put him in the clay spot, and he's not clay. And they have their moments. Like you had mentioned earlier, Steph had that 60-point game last week where he just lost his mind against the Clippers, orchestrated that big comeback where they were down like 30 points at one point, went on like a 33-run, came back and won, where they had where Wiggins had Kawhi Leonard in hell. I remember <laughs> I saw Kawhi's stats. He was like two of eight with Wiggins guarding him. Wiggins is frustrating, man, because you see it. You see it. You see why every single executive loved him coming out of college. You thought he was going to be special. He was he supposed just, to be the next one, quote unquote, the next like dude. People were comparing him to Kobe and some of these other shooting guards. I, I don't know what happened, but you know, I, I guess again, it it, de- it depends on organization. It depends on your atmosphere and whatnot. He's playing under a championship winning coach and Steve Kerr. Uh, he's playing with a champion and Steph Curry, an MVP and Steph Curry, playing with Draymond, even though Draymond is Draymond. But even still, that really feeds off of you because we saw what happened with the Timberwolves where he had his spots and he had his little spurts, but he, he didn't become or develop into the star. 
that, you know, we thought he could. Um, but the ability and talent is there. And, and I feel it's going to be great to see Steph now going from a, a kid who's just, you know, killing the game from threes to now being a mature point guard, being that leader for the team, one of the leaders on the team, along with Draymond and eventually when Clay comes back too, he, he's really that becoming that father figure for some of these dudes. That dude's 32, you know what I mean? Has been through a lot winning and of course with his injuries and whatnot. So he has a lot on his plate, a lot on his back, but there's a lot to it. You mentioned a great point with that whole gap. It's, it's really like, I feel people are playing. They, they have something to play for because they know, okay, there might not be a, a playoff run or, or anything major because Clay is in here, but who's going to be on this team to play with Clay and yeah. Steph and, and be a part of this, you know, next year's championship run or whatnot. So th- this is a tryout. I think Steve, Steve Kerr, excuse me, is looking to see, all right, like who are the dogs? Who are the people who are going to earn that spot? So next year when we actually go, and make this title run, quote unquote, I don't know how they're going to do it, but, you know, who, who deserves, who can I trust, who who do I need to be there? So um, I feel that's something that's going to continue to develop too. Um, Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry. I'm not going to lie. I did say Dame Lillard is better than him. I did kind of forget what Steph does. I'm not going to still lie to you, though. I will pick Dame over him just because I like Dame's play style a little better. He can shoot. Just as deep as stuff, but he can go into the cup and dunk it on you. And I like players who can do stuff like that. But at the end, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, he revolutionized the game with his three-point shot, the greatest shooter of all time. So he's going to get his. I want to see if Draymond's going to be able to get back to speed because he hasn't played at a championship level in about two, three seasons now. Granted, he had injuries and such, but we need to see him be that Draymond if they want to even consider themselves in this title contending race because if he's just gonna be a role player a side dude and pick the his spots single. when he wants to play yeah exactly it's just a waste of time and now you're gonna put tremendous pressure on stay uh, clay and Steph when it comes to it because they, they need somebody else the reason why they were able to do so well in my opinion um, in those dynasty days, I, I guess you can call it, is because Draymond was Draymond. He was getting those triple doubles, but he was a threat everywhere, whether if it was him scoring one night or, okay, I'm going to focus on defense and, and be that presence, get my rebounds, get some blocks. I'm going to facilitate, get the offense rolling. Like That's what he's supposed to do. Now, I don't know if it's age getting up to him or just these injuries and whatnot, but you don't see that that flair, that pep in his step anymore. So, you know, th- that's something that's I'm going to be keeping an eye on. How is Draymond going to play? Because he's the X factor for the team. I've seen it in spurts. Uh, the good thing about the sports calendar being all messed up is usually when basketball starts, hockey's already started and I'm kind of focused on hockey and I'll catch basketball when I can. But since ho- basketball started before hockey, I've been managing to watch two or three games pretty much every night because you get the East Coast game, you get the Central Time Zone game. And then usually when I'm editing the podcast late at night, I get a West Coast game. And I've watched a few Golden State games. And you see it in the games where Golden State plays well. It's because Draymond is facilitating. It's He's getting people open and he's setting up where he's not the primary ball handler, but in limited situations when he has been the primary ball carrier, 
He's done a really nice job of it. He had a really good game last week. And the one thing I was reading about, because I was going through for things to talk about on the episode, the person I, I want to say was in Zach Lowe's column. He was talking about Draymond, when he's right, he's playing elite defense where he can guard at pretty much anyone on the floor, one through five, aside from the really true fives, because there are so few of them now. When mm-hmm. he's doing that, it's a, it helps everyone else do a better job because that's one of Golden State's problems is no one else can really play good defense aside from him. Wiseman's yeah. got to figure out defense. Steph has always had problems with defense. It's why Clay is so underrated is Clay always takes the best wing player on the other team. And it's no one else can really do that. They've for, Wiggins has been forced into doing it this year, but not particularly good at it. He's got the athleticism to be good at it, but yeah. he doesn't really do it. Yeah, I, th- that's what I was just about to say. He has that build. He has the potential to do it. And with that leadership role that Steph and Draymond is going to take in Clay, they can teach him, all right, this is what championship defense looks like. This is what you need to do. And as long as he buys in, that's something that that, that, that just comes down to heart. You, you got to want it on D. And I feel that's something that he could at least, you know, get motivated for, learn how to properly do, and get that team defense aspect down. Um, Draymond, can he still guard those guys? Yeah. I think that's another question too. You know what I mean? Because let's think about some of these people in in, in the West that he's going to have to see. He's going to go, if he went against the Lakers, AD's cooking him. I'm sorry. No, There's is. no question there. And I won't be biased. We can move on. Um, the Nuggets, Joker's cooking him. I think Michael Porter Jr. can cook him. Um who else are we? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think quick. I'm trying to think quick. I, Nurkic I on the Blazers. He'd probably end up with Nurkic on the Blazers. Okay, Nurkic is cooking him. Um. Oh, excuse me. I was thinking the Mavs. Uh, KP comes back. I, I think KP's cooking him. <laughs> yeah, because then he brings him to the Luka perimeter. And yeah. Him? Oh, Luca's cooking him. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm trying to think. Okay, the Suns have been a team that's been coming on. Devin Booker's giving him buckets. I'm sorry. Um, and Clay will probably more guard him. So I think Biggs, all right, DeAndre Aiden, DeAndre Aiden, I, I think could, could hold his own at least around him. Um, I, I don't know what, what other teams even still. I don't know if Draymond can guard those type of players anymore. He was so valuable because he was able to make them small. That small death lineup that they had was what won them those championships because it's hard to match up with somebody on the defensive end when they're all small, they all could shoot, they all stretch the floor with all the space. But now on the opposite side, they're able to guard you. They're able to, you know, match up with you. And even with your bigs, they're still Draymond's doing his thing. I don't know if he can do that anymore. Now, again, maybe I'm falling into the trap where I haven't seen him play. He's been injured. I'm forgetting who he is, but I guess that's where he comes in and he shows and he puts the proof in the pudding and shows that, no, nah, I'm still here. I still got that. The thing that he lost is he lost his three. It's not coming back at this point. He he wasn't a good three-point shooter. He was mid-30s when they were winning championships. His three has completely fallen off. He's in the low 20s, and they're, they've basically gotten him down to only one or two threes a game because the team, the other team is going to give him the open three because they don't think he's going to make it, and he still has to take those to keep the defense honest. So they kind of have to try and 
shade outward a little bit towards the perimeter towards him. But him losing his three has really hurt what he can do because he, it, he's not a dominant post player. He's not going to be able to body people bigger than him. He doesn't really have a fall away, a herky-jerky old man big game. <laughs> you know, the Dirk old man herky-jerky game where it's, yeah. it's no agility whatsoever. It's all in his hips and his waist where yeah, he's just listen. constantly shaking, waiting, fall back. He doesn't have any of that. So like you said, can he do this in a year from now? Because they got this core together for two or three more years, and then they got to figure out what they're going to end up doing, whether it's going to be the Stephen Clay retirement home where they're just going to be spot up guys. They got to figure out what they want to do going forward. So like I said, this is a gap year for Steve Kerr and the Warriors to figure out what they want to do with the rest of their life. Definitely. Definitely. But, you know, back to, back to Draymond, it's, I really think that it, it's too much pressure. It's too much pressure, not on Draymond, but, with him missing all of those threes, as you mentioned, and him losing that touch that he had, or he never really had it, he just you know, it was feasible for it. But him not being a threat behind the arc, now he's going to put on a lot of pressure on Stephen Clay to really score. So, you know, we saw, or at least I saw, I think it was last night or the night before, Steph wasn't shooting too well, but as a team, the Warriors held it and they were able to, to prevail and get a win. I think Draymond's role now is going to be the facilitator. You know, he's going to get the offense going. He's going to get the motion going. He's going to be, you know, making those passes, directing the offense and whatnot. So you have Clay and Steph just run off the screens tirelessly, effortlessly, coming off all those back screens, sending them up for threes and such. I think that's the only way I see him being that effective because no post game, not really known for a mid-range at all or whatnot. He's shooting bricks. Everybody makes fun of him because it's the truth. He shoots like that, that old head at gym class. You know, the dude, the super senior coming in with his book bag. <laughs> never changed in gym. Like, yo, bro, let me get a shot. One, one shot, shot, bro. One, one shot. shot. Like, like, bro, this is your fifth gym class today. We only have eight periods. Like, <laughs> how many times are you going to be doing this? Why do I see you here? Uh, that reminds me because you mentioned it about the spacing and him as a facilitator. One of my friends who's a Warriors fans retweeted a clip of it the other day where he was just pointing where the people on the offense were supposed to be because they just didn't know where they were supposed to be, where he had the ball in his hand. He's like, Ubre over there, Ubre over there, Wiggins over there. And they got to figure it out. These young guys, if they're going to be pieces of a team eventually, they're going to learn one way or another. And Draymond as a facilitator still has legs. Because you can do things with him in the pick and pop, and they got to figure out what they have in Wiseman because he's still not great defensively, but he's good in the post. And then if you can play Draymond at the four, that gives you a little bit more options, a little more flexibility yeah. with your lineup. they got to figure out Wiseman. But he started out pretty well, but he's had a rough couple of games. It's very early in the season. These are all kind of storylines we've talked we wanted to talk about at this point. These aren't like, this is what's happening, this is the set. Three weeks is a small sample size. We got a long ways to go before the playoffs come. We, some of these teams that are playing bad will figure it out. I don't think Denver is as bad as their record is coming to my mind because they just pulled out. They won by four, 116, 112. They had a night. They, they pulled it together. They averted crisis. Okay. Yeah. That's they, good. That's they good. Crisis. 
Um, last thing I want to talk about before I get you out of here, so we can I can edit this and you can go about your Tuesday business. Is <laughs> that is the Mavericks because you had mentioned them before with KP, mentioned them before with Luca. They have not played particularly well to start the season. They've had a really, really hard time on defense. Their offense hasn't been as good because they're the guy who schemes their offense. I forget what team he's the head coach of now. Oh, Houston. Silas, yeah. He's the head coach yeah. at Houston now, where they're kind of doing a different kind of offense with Harden. Dallas's offense has been a little more clunky. They don't have Seth Curry anymore as a spot-up guy who they miss. We all just kind of assume that Dallas will be fine, that Luca is going to play himself into shape because I, they were slandering my boy Luca on the timeline last week. That, last week I saw someone call him <laughs> someone called him James Corden with a foreign accent, and I kind of <laughs> no way James Corden. I didn't even see accent. any of this. Yeah, because he had the really rough, he had a really rough game too. I think it was last week. It might have been the week before. I forget what week when it was, but he really because he showed up out of shape. Just being frank, he showed up out of shape because mm. you know he had an off season. I mean, yeah. not going to excuse it, but it it happens. He'll get it together. He hasn't been shooting from three as well, which is an issue. He always took a few too many threes every game, but he's only shooting in the high twenties instead of the mid thirties, which is what you kind of need if you're going to take five six threes a game. He's still doing a good job facilitating the offense. He's still getting the rebounds. Dallas is an interesting team because they have to make one more move. This team, as they currently have it, is not a championship-caliber team. For as good as Luka is, they need more. I don't know if KP can play defense against anyone. That's always been his problem. Even when he's healthy and a good scorer, he's not good at defense. He never has been. You see it. I think they get one more guy in there. They could be good. They're interesting. I just don't know what to make of them is kind of where I'm going with this. And on top of that, too, health issues, man. Yeah. We don't know what can be because they've always had a pivotal piece or, you know, a, a very, very important scorer or whomever get injured. So we haven't seen them fully healthy. And as you mentioned, they need defensive pieces. You know, they need people who can get that stop for them because the same thing I did with Draymond, we can do the Russian roulette. Whatever team you want to pick out the West who are playoff contenders, who do you have on your team to stop them? That's what it comes down to. I even mentioned the Clippers before, but, you know, who do the Mavericks have? And even though they did have a, you know, I guess competitive series last year in the bubble with them, you know, who did you or who do you have um, in your team to be able to match up with somebody like Paul George, to match up with Kawhi Leonard? You know, I'll bring the Suns back into it. Who do you have to match up with Devin Booker? Who do you have to match up with, you know, Dennis Schroeder now? Uh, you know, who do you have to match up with Braun, AD, all of these guys, Jurkic, Jamal Murray, like – there's so many people in the West, so many stars, great teams, of course. It's been like that for you know maybe a decade or so now. But you have to have those stoppers. And you can have a shootout all you want to. You can outscore teams and all you want to in the regular season. Because yet again, attention to detail in the playoffs. Everything counts. Every possession matters. And teams expose you for your weaknesses. and 
when you are, have that weakness on defense, it's it's a common rule of thumb in basketball or in any sport, realistically, defense wins championships. You got to be able to check the best players on every team. You don't have any of those guys. Granted, you can go toe-to-toe with them, maybe. Yeah, Luka go belt-to-bat with anybody in the league. He's a bona fide superstar. But you're not going to be able to win these important games or beat a good team four games in a row unless you can stop them defensively. So until they get healthy and until they're able to fix their defensive problems, they're just going to be that regular season team who gets 55, 60 wins, top end of the, the, the standings for the West, but not being able to actually do anything meaningful. While you were talking about that, it did jog my memory that one of the things I had read about Dallas was last year they had the most efficient offense in the league where they were converting at the highest rate, taking the best shots, that kind of thing. This year they're in the low 20s, which, again, they're the guy who schemed their offense. I forget his first name, Silas, who's now the coach of the Rockets. I think that probably has a little bit to do with that and the fact that, yeah, they lost Steph Curry spot-up shooting. I think it'll get better with KP. I mean, KP can score. He can't do much else. He's not going to win a lot of battles down in the post, but he can score. If they iron out their offensive issues, like you had said, if they iron out their offensive issues, maybe they can win every game 140, 135. I don't know how realistic that is, but if they can score, at least their defense matters a little less. Yeah, you got to be able to go bout for bout, but but yeah. that's why I feel Big Z, like their team that in the regular season, yeah, definitely, they'll get wins. They'll be able to just outscore people. Luke will have those nights where he just, you know, overpowers other teams. But in the playoffs, when it matters, it's not going to be able to get done because yeah. you, you, you could have these guys go off and whatnot, but these good, great championship teams are going to be able to stop you and null and void what you do well. So now in the playoffs, you're not scoring 130, 140, not even 120 points. You might even crack 100 some games because it's so attention to detail and the opposing team's defense is executing to the finest details and are able to stop your best players. They know your plays. They know what your secondary options are. They're taking certain players out of the game. They're putting certain players on an island and making them beat them and, and whatnot. So it comes down to that. That's how I look at it. It's, you know, Houston Rockets are a perfect example of it. Yeah, smoking everybody regular season. James Harden tap dancing, averaging 36 points a game. But when it comes down to it, who's getting bounced out in the playoffs every single year? Granted, there's some injuries involved, such as life, bro. But even still, if they made it to the finals, they ain't winning. <laughs> I don't see it happening, so. Anything else you want to cover before I let you go, LeVance? Any other basketball thoughts rattling around in your mind? I'm a Laker fan, yes, but man, they look scarier than I thought. Like they are really coming about. Love to see it. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, this Knicks Nets matchup, Knicks and Nets matchup. I can't speak English, man. This is crazy. But that the, the battle in New York, this simplify it like that. That's going to be good. I think this is a real pivotal, you know, game for the Knicks. They can prove to a lot of people that hey, we're competitive. You can't just come here and beat us anymore. So that's going to be great. I wonder how KD is now going to shift with his game, being that his running mate's not there and not even attentive anymore. But we mentioned it early on, man. 
every team in the NBA has some type of storyline or has some type of player who is exciting, who has potential, and who has the league going crazy for. So there's always a good game happening. There are always something that will happen. Hopefully COVID can slow down so those type of things don't happen. But I'm just happy what, what what's happening with the season and everything that's going on. I'm just happy Lakers are winning too. <laughs> hey, man, it's always good when your team wins. The last point I wanted to make, because you mentioned it, was I have noticed quite a bit that Durant has been bringing the ball up even before when Kyrie was playing, he was the primary ball handler, which is interesting because you don't think of KD as a facilitator, but if they run the offense through him, it sets up the other guys to be open because Durant's a walking bucket. There's not a human being on the planet Earth who can stop him if he wants a bucket. Exactly. And, you know, when you're one of those guys, you're going to have the ball in your hands. And especially now without your running mate, you're going to have to run the offense through you. I think Steve Nash views him, Kevin Durant, as many people do, as a top five, top three, top two, <laughs> whatever you want to put him, player in the NBA. Why not run the offense through him? Why put the ball in his hands? And also, too, I feel being with his injury, you want him to get his rhythm. You want him to get his confidence and get back into that game speed. What better way to do it than giving him the ball and letting him operate the way that he does? But as he's mentioned, too, it's also just basketball. You know what I mean? And he's gotten into that point in his career where he's seen a lot. He's been able to win, even though it was in a very, very cheap, you know, low man's route. Either way, we won't talk about it. But, you know, he has his experience. He knows what it takes and he knows the game of basketball. He knows how to get to his spots and get a bucket. So it's interesting. And again, it's the regular season too. First time they're all together, they're still trying things out. I don't know if it would be like that in a playoff situation or in a, you know, a pivotal series or a pivotal game, but it's another option to have. And it's always good to have another primary ball handler. I think that's what makes a lot of teams deadly. That's what made the Lakers so deadly in this last playoff run because when Braun wasn't on the floor, there was another ball handler, Rondo. You have another guy who can initiate the offense. That's why Draymond can be a very key piece, though, even with him shooting bricks. Another ball handler, initiate the offense, get the guys moving, get the ball flowing, and then you could actually play some team basketball. And that's when we get to see the beauty of the game there, not only with the team aspect, but you see individual players doing what they do best. So... Hopefully it's something that works out for them. It'll be fun to watch. That was extremely well said. That's a great note to end the episode on. Thank I you like so that. much for coming on, Levance. This is fun. Hey. This will be hey. the re regular thing. Once a month, once every two weeks, three weeks kind of thing. Just check in, see how, how the association is doing. All right. You know, I'd love to be here. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm here whenever, bro, bro. Thank you so much, Levance. I will be back tomorrow. This episode will be up on Wednesday. Thursday, hockey is back. Rangers hockey is back. NHL back on Wednesday during the day. Rangers episode for Thursday. See you guys next time. See you.